It's another Sunday night in comedy, and tonight we are stepping off stage and going behind the lens. We are picking the brains of some of our favorite comedic actors in Canada and figuring out the actor's process. Thespians and comedians, I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all new Inside Jokes, baby. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you read horrible critic reviews of your stage performance more clearly. How about that? Because we're stepping in to the world of the actor. We've never, uh, of course, have our producer Vince Tedesco on the line. Vince, before we get into what's going on with you, I know you're like sad and stuff because the Leafs aren't, you know, for a a hockey team that makes you, by the way, remortgage your house every time you want to drag your four kids from the suburbs onto a go train to watch a Leafs game. Oh boy, do they ever suck at actually winning the thing that make you pay a lot of money to make to watch them do. But anyways, today, Vince, we are doing something we've never really done in five and a half years of this show. Never! We're picking apart the actor's process. I really want to... Why are you really, going on British? Right? I really want to, because it's like thespians. I really want to like do this show like James Lipton style, right? Inside the actor's studio. Inside, what are we going inside the actor's scenario? Inside the actor's studio. The key to James Lipton is it's almost like you're almost being like one of the Gibbs brothers, like one of the Bee Gees, you know? James Lipton wasn't British. He was from No, I know. Nobody told him that, though. You're like, dude, you're from Detroit. (laughs) No, but it's an interesting panel. I mean, I put together, you know, some actors are doing comedy now and some are more trained in the art form. Yes. Technique and all that fun jazz. We have, we have, uh, we have a full panel tonight, a full cross section of actors who have sort of dabbled in and out of dramatic and comedic acting, um, including uh, Shane Kippel, who of course was on Degrassi, which is a Canadian institution. We don't have a ton of those. That's like a huge cult thing, not just in Canada, but US and really worldwide at this point. Um, and of course, Paula Duca, who is You're like- not Paul. We love Paul. Paul has joined like he's, you know, it's like the SNL five timers club. Paul is like in the same rotation as like a Peter Anthony or, or a Jean Paul at this point. He's just Thanks kind of there all. once in a while, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm also excited to talk to Bobby and Tanisha Collins as well, who's uh, upcoming in a new Kevin Hart movie. That's right. So, summer's back. A lot of credits happening. It'll be interesting to find out how much of a different year it's been for actors too, because obviously we've spent this entire pandemic talking to comics and figuring out what they've been up to. It'll be interesting to hear what actors are doing and how this has sort of changed things for them. And I'm going to be doing this. Vince Tedesco already told me to stop, but I'm going to be doing this, this voice on and off for the entire show. We are talking to, I got to clear it first. We're talking to thespians tonight. We are talking to actors Working actors. We've got Bobby Del Rio. How you doing, man? Good, man. Jesus, I just woke up. You have so much energy. (laughs) (laughs) I do not need this morning. What's up, brother? Honestly, Bobby, I literally just do this for an hour once a week. 
and then I go back to sleep. That's it. You you were so quiet, and then the show started like, hello, everybody. (laughs) That's why I have, you know, for folks at home listening, it's radio, so obviously you can't see me, but for everybody who follows us on the socials and all the stuff that Vince puts out, that's why I look like crystal meth Fred Penner after this quarantine. (laughs) That's that's the look I've cultivated, (laughs) and that is the tood that I bring to the show. On our panel, of course, another first-timer. I'm so excited. We have Tanisha Collins. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I love the energy that you have. I've been up since like five o'clock in the morning, and I opened my eyes and felt like you for some reason, so I am so happy to be here today. Well, you have this glow about you, and I think, and Vince didn't want me to bring this up, but, you know, for, of course, our Toronto-based listeners, and you are in Montreal, there's, uh, well, it's a sad day for Vince Tedesco and Leafs fans. We'll just, we'll leave it at that, you know? Things aren't going so great this week for Vince, but you're in Montreal. You're just, hey, you you are full of joie de vivre right now. Uh, we will go across the panel. Paul LaDuca, how are you doing, man? I Like I was saying to Vince before the show, you're like our one of our, like, Alec Baldwins now on this show. You're just kind of here. You that's, know, that's a big, big shoes to fill, but I'm always happy to be here with your beautiful faces. That's for sure. Right. You are. You're just sort of like, it's like back at, remember back in the day when we had a radio studio with humans in it and all that. Yeah, that's, that was cool. Yeah. You were like another Peter Anthony. You just sort of like Kool-Aid <laughs> through the wall every once in a while. And, oh, are you guys doing a show? You're just kind of always there. So you're for sure in our five timers club. Last but not least, we have Shane Kipple on the line. How are you doing, man? Doing great. I'm doing great. I, um, I, I had more energy this morning, but uh, my girl and I are trying to shed the, the COVID-15, as you could see by my eggplant face. Oh, well, yeah. the bottom. So we were in the park doing circuits with a personal trainer, and uh, so I have no more energy. But I'll try to find it. I'll try to dig deep. <laughs> Everybody more than we did last night, anyway. Yeah. Everybody's trying to get rid of that COVID, that quarantine 15, which I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's definitely like a quarantine 35 or something but anyways uh so the first thing i mean i really because you know in almost six seasons now of doing this show we've of course had comedic actors on the show on the panel lots of times breaking stuff down but we've never done a specific panel where we've gotten into sort of the nuts and bolts of actually acting and how that relates to comedy so and i mean shane you're a great example of this of course you're a degrassi alum we for sure have to point that out that is one of the most cult sort of properties that has ever come out of this country for sure with a huge fan base in the u.s and worldwide as well i mean it's 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 a it's a canadian television brand we don't really have a lot of those we have like degrassi that gets broadcast outside of canada and then quebec has you know people jumping out of thorn bushes and slide whistle music plays that's kind of it that's, <laughs> those are the right yeah yeah tanisha yeah. knows those are the only two things in canada that gre- get greenlit for more than six months just for last yeah. gags oh man yeah slide whistles up. and cranks the, the cops uh, you know. uh, showing up at the like pulling you over only wearing their boxers and then just making a sandwich <laughs> as they give you a ticket yeah no, it's that's right yeah that's it <laughs> I yeah. love that's by the way I mean this is off topic ish but I mean Tanisha like that I you know Montreal of course is home to just for laughs it's the biggest comedy festival on the planet there's so many great comics that have come out of Montreal there's so many great independent shows but man there's also this thing in in Quebecois comedy where it's very like I don't know. It's very sort of like old school and vaudevillian. It's very animated. It's just like sometimes a dude with like mime makeup going like, oh, secure, you know? Exactly. It's so over the top. Like, and people love it. 
And I'm just like, haven't we evolved past like, you know, jumping out of the bushes and scaring somebody on, you know, the entire, every station on TV? We haven't. So If you want to know how far we have not come, just go watch fireworks anywhere. Where- I would, that, that happened to me on Victoria Day weekend, like just a couple weeks ago. I'm walking somewhere with two friends, distancing, distancing. But I'm walking somewhere with two friends at night, coming back from the beach. And it's like, yeah, fireworks go off. I wanted to just like keep going to where we were going, but they had to stop. It's like they had to stop and freeze in the moment. Uh, Bobby and Paul, this is also a good thing I could pick your brains on. For you guys, how, does a, how do working actors transition into comedy that's something i really want to touch on today like how do you make that move i mean paul you do a lot of sketch stuff of course that's how you built a huge following online how do you make that pivot back and forth between acting and comedy uh for me uh, comedy is i mean i think comedians or comedic people uh really live in a dramatic space almost better than people who don't have a comedic bone in their body uh i think that you know, that kind of, it's vulnerability that uh, we just seem to like have uh, for every, because we, we're always looking at the light side of things, but you know, the comedy comes out of such dramatic things as well. Even my acting coach is great with that stuff too. He, he always is talking about how funny people are technically, sometimes they, they're more comfortable in a dramatic scene. Robin Williams is a perfect example of that. Uh, you can see the vulnerability yeah. in his eyes and his actions and, um, and, uh, and yeah, so I just, I, it's always been a part of what I do and, and I try to, you know, bring it to everything that I'm a part of. Which kind of, I mean, that brings up a really interesting point that I definitely want to uh, launch into after we come back from break is being able to sort of make that pivot and how you're tapping into two sides of your brain. I mean, no, I don't know if all of you have sort of like dipped your toes into stand up or anything like that, but certainly all of you have done comedic roles comedic auditions whether it was you know when you're sort of scraping the pavement and going out to auditions or whether it's actual roles that you're taking on now you've all sort of dipped your toes and dabbled in that and I'm sure it's completely two different sides of the brain and sides of the process uh we're gonna come back with our inside the actors studio Vince is like rolling his eyes super hard at me for doing that but it's gonna get worse Vince it's gonna get so much more James Liptony as the show goes, but this is amazing. We have a panel of actors for the first time ever. We'll be back with more Inside Jokes. Yo, this is White Wine. Young Riesling. You're tuned in to AM640 Inside Jokes, Jokes. baby. Ha! Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, and of course, streaming not even just Canada-wide, but worldwide on the Global News Radio Network. Are you stuck at home listening to stuff? You are, because the world still hasn't come out of its coma yet, so this is a perfect time to listen, and we are switching gears tonight. We have a full panel of actors. It is inside the actor's studio right here on Inside Jokes. I'll do another quick roll call. We got... Bobby Del Rio, Tanisha Collins, Paul LaDuca, Shane Kippel, all getting into sort of the bare bones of acting and how that is sometimes married to comedy. We, we touched on this a little bit before the break. For you guys, by the way, um, and, and I think it was Paul brought up Robin Williams, the late, great Robin Williams, great example, of course. Um, another one that always jumps to mind for me, which is sort of a reverse, 
is John C. Riley. Because John C. Riley was like this film festival favorite. He was sort of the, he was a bit of a Steve Buscemi. Like he was an indie film guy that was in all these dramatic roles for years. Like going back Boogie, to like the late Boogie 80s. Nights. Boogie Nights was a big one. Right? And he was always around. And then in the 2000s, he sort of jumped on to that frat pack crew and that Apatow crew. Now he's the comedy guy. And that's what people know him for. He's like, people can't remember at all his dramatic life before that. For you guys, and I'll go around the panel, is it completely a different process? Like what's sort of harder to tap into? A comic role or the dramatic? Okay, so, um, hey, it's Bobby. I'm, I'm very aware that it's radio, you know, maybe it's all the clubhouse that I'm doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, like it's like, it's different, right? It's like, I'm making these faces and I'm like, all oh, right, people can't see that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I'm a Shakespeare trained actor as Robin Williams was also yeah. like Tom Hanks started in comedy and then, and then made that sharp shift. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey as well. Um, but you know, it's funny because if you think of, of the canon of Shakespeare, everything is comedy or tragedy, right? There's two masks on purpose, right? So for me, I, I get cast comedically a lot, but also dramatically. I've you know, been playing lead roles in theater and now film and television for over 20 years, right? So for me, it's, it, it, to be honest, there's no difference. Um, may, maybe energy level, depending on the, on the director. Um, yeah. Is this is this is an underrated part of performance is that it's essentially a negotiation between the performer and the director. The director has a lot of input into the ultimate performance, but ultimately you're just bringing truth to it. So it's really in the writing, right? For me, um, there's no difference in the way I approach material. That's why even someone like Al Pacino, right? He can be incredibly funny, dramatic. It just depends on the material. So I just think you know the architecture uh, of the scene is sort of uh, created. And then as a performer, we're just bringing energy within those parameters and then we compromise. And that's, that's kind of how I approach it. Well, and I mean, I'll, Shane, I'll jump to you really quick on this. Cause I mean, certainly for your time, your tenure on Degrassi, I mean, that calls for that a lot. Degrassi, by the way, to our, to our listeners who haven't been reminded or watched, like going back to the very beginning, Degrassi is like a very dark take on a high school drama, especially the OG Degrassi. Like I used to kick open my parents' bedroom door in the middle of the night at like 10 years old and be like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go to high school. I don't wanna get in a drunk driving accident or get AIDS, you know? Cause that was stuff that they tackled. But you would have to pivot between these like very dramatic storylines and these very sort of dark teachable moments. And then zany kind of comedy stuff sometimes. A lot of actors say that the comic stuff is harder to sort of tap into and get into that mindset. I mean, what do you think? Um, well, because I, I was, I, I was trained uh, originally with, uh, with improv. So comedy was where it all started out, but my first real role was on Degrassi. And then I was established as a dramatic actor, but like you said, like depending on what the episode called for, and it was an, an ensemble cast, like a really large cast. So yeah. Sometimes you were supporting, sometimes you had the, uh, the B story that was a little bit more of a uh, comic relief uh, contrasted with like a very, very heavy A plot. Um, but like, like Bobby said, it really, it comes down to truth. No, there's nothing more obvious than someone going for a laugh where they don't believe anything they're saying. It's just like the same um, as empty anger. Anger is like, anger is a secondary emotion that comes out of like sadness and, and hurt. 
uh, but when someone rages without that herd underneath, it's it's empty and it feels fake. So the the same uh, a coach of mine years and years ago told me that uh, the the real difference between um, do, like doing a sitcom and doing its like parallel dramatic scene is you just take the the bottom the heaviness out of the uh, the real serious subject matter and then yeah. so there's only top end humor but no like bottom end darkness and that's how you kind of get that that nice balance but what like if you look at some of the the scripts the the, the written scripts for like friends there is so much to comedy that can be taken out of one line and what i what i love about that approach is on the paper it doesn't have to be funny it's yeah. your responsibility to look at that line and figure out ways physically uh, like through pitch, whatever it is, to to really, you know, take everything out of it, and and uh, I find comedy is much more of a challenge. You can slide right into drama, I find, but comedy, like to find those little nuances that don't jump off the page at you, that's that's what I love about it. It is. It's that whole like timing thing, and yeah, it's those little buried nuggets. It's why people can go back and and watch like Arrested Development a billion times over and still right. find these sort of little Easter eggs that are just buried in the dialogue and buried in the interactions and buried in the moments, right? Or if, or if you just watch the Friends reunion, they showed that that famous scene with like pivoting on the on the couch, like pivot, pivot. Yeah. And they showed what the scene looked like and it was just Ross, three lines, it's or like three words, pivot, pivot, pivot. But it's one of the most famous Friends uh, scenes out there. And it's just yeah. because of what he did with it. So. Take it's it interesting. Up. It's interesting that Shane mentions that because in that episode, if anyone's seen the Friends reunion, uh, Matthew Perry states that when a joke didn't land, he was almost devastated at the that the, there wasn't a crowd reaction. And for yeah. a stand-up comic, when you bomb on stage, you need to eat it in real time. Yeah. But as an actor, there's something called reshooting it. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can reshoot on set, but you can bomb on stage. And uh, for someone like Tanisha, who's done a lot of dramatic work and now has an upcoming project with one of the biggest comedic actors there is. How do you find that kind of transition of making um, something work in your favor that needs to be dealt with a certain way? And how many times or, or how many shoots essentially does it need to work before you, you get it right for what you think is right and for what, again, a director or, 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 or the writer thinks it's right? That is true, Tanisha. I mean, you're like really seeping into this moment and you're really tapping into this raw emotion. There is, you're not expecting any sort of reaction in the room necessarily. Well, yes and no. I mean, look, like, I think everybody kind of touched on this, but it's about truth and trusting yourself. I'm a student of Meisner. And as long as you're grounded in your truth, like, I don't know if you've ever been in an argument and you're yelling and yelling, and then all of a sudden you just burst out laughing because even in the most tragic instances, there can be humor. And I think that at first, I always thought comedy was so challenging, and sometimes it is when, when you read when the when the writing isn't necessarily fun, like written funny. Um, right. But I think for me, the biggest thing was just trusting myself and being grounded enough to lean in to not just the absurdity of things, to try different things, and also to let myself go and see what comes out of it. Um, and I think that kind of applies to drama as well, because when you're so grounded, like, you know, you can find out that your father died and you can cry, you can laugh, like, and that could all be forms of grief, right? So it's the same with comedy. You can take a line and deadpan it and it could be so funny or you can take a line and really ham it up and it can be funny as well. It really depends on the delivery 
and how committed you are to it. And you kind of just like with stand up, you have to be ready that, hey, I took a risk. Yeah. Bombed. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And I think that, you know, talking about how many takes, there's really no magic number because sometimes it could be the first take. Or it could be your last take when you're just like, you know what, this is not working. Let me just completely throw away everything. No expectations. I'm just going to live in where I am now because what I imagined in my head, what it should be delivered like is not working. So let me just live in where I am now and like, you know, let the S hit the fan um, and see what comes out. And usually that's when it's the best because it's the most human. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the gags before we're kind of veering more towards that comedy in the humanity and in the realness of it all. That's what yeah. we the most, right? Which by the way, Tanisha, shout out because you said the S hit the fan. I caught that. I know Shane caught that because I could see you guys on, on <laughs> Zoom. It was, it was like when I was growing up, my mom would always say, don't say F sharps. Oh, <laughs> don't use F sharps. But it, and, and I mean, we'll have to sort of delve into this after the break too, because it's a bit of a, a, a deep cut here. But like, is there something cover- comforting in that, by the way? Because when, you know, stand-ups on stage, you're kind of just being an exaggerated version of yourself when you're doing stand-up. So, like, all of the bombs, all of the heckles, all of the reactions, you're sort of feeling that directly to you as a person. Is there, how, how sort of comforting it is, is it a, in a way to, to be able to, like, completely slip inside a role? I mean, Paul, when you're filming this sketch stuff, it's still so much different from stand-up because you're you're always Paula Duca, but you're like stepping into these over-the-top insane characters, and you're really jumping into that thing. Is there is there something comforting and completely di- disappearing into a role? Yeah, um, Paul, tell us about your sketch stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that stuff you do online, that sketchiness things you do. I do comedy, um, uh, but. Uh, like I said before, it's it's about the the vulnerability. Sorry, the vulnerability in anything that I do. All of my yeah. comments are very genuine to me. It's stuff that makes me laugh. Stuff that I. Th- it doesn't matter if it's the most absurd character that I've done. Uh, I truly find joy in a little piece of me in each of these characters, which is essentially what you're doing with taking on a role. Sure, you're becoming that person, but you're trying to yeah. the vulnerability and the truth, like Tanisha was saying and Bobby was saying before of what that character is, but it's still, you still are bringing a piece of you to it. It's that piece of you that's still relating to the character, even though you've done the work to, you know, to learn what this person is about or create what this person is about. It's still a piece of you. That's why somebody wants to cast you in it. They want to see what kind of life you bring to it. Right. And all yeah. of that is going to be, it's going to have some connection to who you are as a person. So I think that's totally true because if you don't invest that sort of, nugget of self which is i think whether it's a comedy role or a dramatic role whatever it happens to be that you're doing that's sort of the part that breathes some reality and life into it because otherwise you're just hayden christensen <laughs> oh, wow, you know, nice. wow that's fired that's what happens you know you're just hayden at that point we could probably get him on this show now though that's good yeah this is bob you know, it's really a- like, we'll get him next week. We can probably get Hayden. No, uh, no, no. Put a note out to Hayden the agent if he has yeah, one. Hit him up on Instagram. This is great, though. There's so much ground to cover. There's so much, like I said, we've never really picked apart this topic before. And quite frankly, shame on us because it's almost six years and we've had so many Canadian and American actors on this show over the years. We've never really delved into this. So we're going to come back with more of this panel, more inside jokes 
right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hi, my name is Andrew Johnston. You're listening to Inside Jokes. Is it on 640? Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping you stay six feet away from everyone you love since 1967. How about that? I love these. Have you been listening to these taglines? Because I love No, Hakeem's not listening. Vince, we've been on the air almost. It'll be six years coming up soon. And Hakeem Optical, God love them. They have no idea. They've been sponsoring this show the entire time. Well, they they make fine eyewear for anyone listening. Yeah, they are completely unaware that they sponsor this radio program. Which, by the way... I'm going to ask you guys this as actors, what, and it sort of curtails what Vince was saying during the break, but like, what's, do you guys ever get like those little pieces of notoriety where somebody saw you, you know, on a TV thing or saw you in a commercial or, or met you at an audition? Cause I'll tell you what happens for, for standups and for radio people for standups. It's always the same exact two things. You go and do some show in a town that you've never heard of, nor do you ever want to return to unless your car breaks down. And then you do the show and then immediately two things happen. You get off stage. One guy comes up to you and says, do you know Russell Peters? That they like yell it at you. That's (laughs) immediately. And it's always followed by a, my body is really funny in kitchens and should do this. Um, And by the way, they never should do this. And what we hear in radio is, Radio, the radio is, is still exists. <laughs> um, I'm happy that to happens. jump on ads, Bobby. You know, I will say, because I met Vince on Clubhouse, right? So I, I have yeah. over 12,000 followers now on Clubhouse in four months. I've been interviewed uh, like almost 20 times in the last month. I'm repped in Hollywood. I have producers all around the world offering me work. So look, it's, it's crazy. Like that the platforms have changed. There's people who recognize me for like, literally there was a guy just yesterday who had heard me in four rooms in a row or something. And now he's like promoting me on his social media. And I actually, so it's funny because you're talking about how actors get noticed essentially. Right. And then I'm trying to help segue to Vince's (laughs) uh, point as well. But I really do think that the new way actors are getting noticed um, is social media and clubhouse is the hottest social media platform in the world. Like if you're not on that right now, you're almost not a performer. Everyone's getting all their jobs from clubhouse right now. That's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. But Bobby, essentially when you're on an app like clubhouse and for those who don't know what clubhouse is, you don't have an iPhone apparently, but is it almost like a live stream podcast where you host conversations or rooms, uh, about various topics and you're, and that's again, how we met. Um, but in a way, you're almost acting as your own agent. And, and if you're not on any social media platform, you are lagging, brother. I mean, well, anybody I, listening out there needs to get their name out there. I mean, it is social media. I have a major article in the major publication coming out next month. Big feature article. I did four interviews for them in a photo shoot. That all came from Clubhouse. Right? Yeah, because you're it's, hustling. You're, that's, you, yeah, and you're yeah. working hard at it, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's tough I, out there. So, yeah, you got to kind of act like your own kind of kind of Don King, essentially. 
He's a fox. That's a good reference for the Gen Zers listening. Yeah, to Don King. If you don't know who Don King, Google it. PM Sunday on pseudo conservative talk radio. We don't have anyone under 65. But anyways, it is true. There is something about actors. I don't know why. It's like you guys are just more comfortable with with the media stuff. I mean, even going back way before the pandemic, even <clears throat> you know, pre-TikTok, pre-Zoom, all this stuff, there's like you get an actor in in like even back in like the serious xm days we would get an actor in the studio and it's like they're there they're ready they're in plug mode it's like they've done this 800 times already today you get a lot of comics and a lot of especially canadian comics you get them on the air in front of a hot mic and for somebody who stands up on stage night after night and pours their soul out in front of a live crowd Man, is it like trying to squeeze water from a rock sometimes? It's like they completely clam up. Actors just come in like ready to go. You guys have this like built-in PR machine. Like, why well, is that? Well, we're probably dying on the inside a little bit. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. but honestly, like I find that for me, like I, I'm dying to do stand-up just to get to that terrifying place. Mm -hmm. Give me a script. I can be whoever you want me to be. And I'm happy, happy to do it. Meet me in person. It's great. And I, I, I know that I'm good in interviews, but on the inside, I'm always like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I speak too fast or whatever? Because being yourself when you're so used to being somebody else is, it's intimidating sometimes. So for me, yeah. what I want to help me is like, I don't know. I have a Clubhouse account, don't know how to use it, but thank you, Bobby. I will learn to use it. I work a lot on Instagram and I don't post a lot of acting stuff, but the people who follow me enjoy that because they get to see the other side of me. They get to see real me. And then that yeah. helps me be more comfortable in interviews. Um, because right now I'm doing press for a movie. And every time before I click, you know, start the Zoom meeting, I'm always like, eh, like a small, tiny little pit in my stomach. And then as soon as I press start, it goes away. You know, like that, that it all just shifts away. But yeah. before you go on, you're like, I'm a real person right now <laughs> to strangers. How's that going to react, you know? That's your talent speaking for itself too, though. If you could just kick in like that, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you have that because it's still something you just step in, even though you're nervous about it, you just go out there and do it. That's a huge thing as a performer. I think it's great that you're like that. Thank you. Uh, but I showcase, I think it's very important for actors, comedians, anybody, especially you have to take advantage, not just Clubhouse, but you know, with I've been doing it with Instagram and YouTube and obviously now TikTok for the past year for, for, for years, but you have to, you have to showcase your own lane. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I, that's the strength I found in it. And it taught me to be uh, okay with being so vulnerable with everybody uh, and just doing my thing. This is what people are seeing me do. This is what I do best. So I'm going to make it. And it keeps me creative, keeps me busy instead of waiting for the next audition to come in or the next paycheck from the role you landed. You know what I mean? And another thing too, is that if you are on one of these TV shows or whatever, if anybody likes you, whether they like you acting or they like the way you look, the first thing they're going to do is find you on their favorite social media platform. And if you're not there, guess what? They're not looking anywhere else. Oh, my so, God. Paul Aduka, you've done this show, like, almost as many times as me and Vince have. I've never heard you get so, like, speed <laughs> up, man. I, I just find, you know, that uh, the, the old way of acting, like, where there was that separation, you saw the person on screen, and but you knew nothing about their personal life. Those days are over. Yeah. Now... That with social media, that side is exposed. So that that old theory of never meet your heroes because you might they might not be how you thought they would be. 
you don't have a chance for that. So I find it to be the most entertaining when I get people following me on social media and then I post about something or say something that they don't like and then they comment, you just lost yourself a follow. You just lost yourself <laughs> yeah. a like. Which does hurt a little bit, by the way. It's like death by a thousand cuts. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna come back with more of our actors panel. Honestly, I could do this for like six episodes straight. This is fantastic. I love this. Um, we'll be right back with more inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Carmen Lynch, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Wear a mask. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping actors read awful critical reviews since 1967. We are, of course, inside the actor's studio. Oh my gosh, I need to get back in the game. I got to get back into voice work. Uh, We have been talking to a cross-section, a panel of Canadian actors who also dabble in comedy and actually one thing panel one thing you guys were touching on before we went to break was how social media savvy actors really are and have gotten because one thing that we've definitely found in this past year of pandemic is a lot of comics who were always so precious about you know stand-up is the purest thing sketch people aren't comics improv people aren't comics musical comedians are not even people uh, it was always like stand up is the only thing and that's it. And all of a sudden they found themselves in a position where they, it was either like, like adapt or die, right? Like they had to figure out TikTok, They had to figure out zoom. They had to figure out a way to like find an audience online. And- I'm going to go one step further. This is Bobby. I'm saying like, if you are not in that social media influencer space, yeah. you're, they're not even relevant in the industry anymore. Like I have a friend, Emily Lyons, who's actually Toronto based, but she's one of the top people in the business um, part of the app, which those rooms are huge. Like she's building yeah. 100, 800 person rooms. She's actually, she just launched an agency repping social audio influencers specifically. Like it's entire management company only devoted to people who are influencing people in the social media space with voice only right like that's where this is going and if you're not in there right now your work is going to dry up i'm just i'm announcing that right now and it's so it's so true because you know there's still this kind of mindset going on where everybody thinks that there's some like red button somewhere that somebody's going to push and it's like the pandemic's over now everything goes back to what it was no these are tools that are going to be in the kit this is what life is and the industry is going to be like moving forward. This is going to be, this is how it has mutated and evolved. And it's not even a negative. It's just, this is the way things are progressing. And I mean, Paul LaDuca, you're, you're a great example of this because, and we're going back way before the pandemic, of course, but like people in comedy, were always looking at YouTubers and always looking at people with like viral and digital sketches and going, that's not, that's kids sitting at the kitchen table with a pack of Crayolas. Well, guess what? Five, six years ago, JFL and just for laughs and all the big festivals started paying attention. And all of a sudden you had like Miranda sings doing a gala at the Sony center in front of 3000 people. And that's what the festivals turned into. You can only hate on the next thing that scares you so much. Okay. Honestly, like Bobby's saying, you know, about clubhouse and how important things like that are and social media in general, 
you need to stop being a, a little baby about it and do the work. You know what I mean? It sucks. Yeah. In this business, especially, you have to learn how to constantly adapt as we are in regular life anyways. If you don't adapt, you die. And as far as this goes, even I remember only two years ago, even through my agent, nobody cared, even my acting coach, nobody cared about what kind of, it doesn't matter if you have a million followers on Instagram, uh, they, they want to see this, they want to see that, blah, blah. And now on the papers, that you, when you go into an audition, they want you to have a following finally, because they're finally getting savvy to how important it is to the type of presence you can have online because not only will it sell your product whether it's a commercial or a tv show all right you're building your own empire with whatever it is that you do best all right that's why clubhouse has blown up the way it has uh and that's why instagram did then and that's why tiktok has been the sole this the best app for discoverability no matter what you do yeah Uh, and that's where the pandemic helped a lot of people like me because my my numbers boomed there and it's not just it's not about the numbers it's about the work being seen Okay. I truly, I don't care if somebody has a million followers or not. I care about the work speaking for itself. And that's the only thing that I focus on for me. Um, and that it's genuine to me. Now the industry is finally looking at that and paying it the credit it's due. As someone who's used to just one side of it, uh, if social media has shown us anything, it's that there are so many funny, talented people out there that are not professional actors. So it really forces you to stay on top of it. Like there are millions of just funny people out there that you, you can just, you can really get into your head. Like, well, I thought I was a serious performer, but this person has 5 million views on this video of them just making facial expressions. I can't do that. So it really shows you like, the, the body of talent that you're up against and why you constantly have to be, you know, staying well on top of your game. If you, that's, that's, you have that's any the competition out there and it's all yeah. about that, you know, that broad appeal. Imagine if Vince and I were like, no, we only want this show to air in Rosedale, but we don't. We're like in Riverside, Leslieville. We're, we're in the junction. We got like, a, right, Vince? We got like fives of listeners in every corner of this city hi to steve by the way uh yeah more than that though because i think that if anything this pandemic showed people that any factor of what you do can disappear in an instant right so every business person is told to diversify their industry and i think the performers don't think about that but diversifying within your industry can mean getting into writing doing sketches like paul is doing um you know voice work commercials every there's so many different facets within the industry that if you don't adapt and add to your toolbox like you said, you're, you're done. You're, you're, you're going to eventually get phased out of the industry. It's, it's, it's crucial. And, and you know what, one thing I, one thing I also deeply admire about uh, actors, especially coming from a standup background is, you know, standups can bomb and die on stage. There could be a heckler in the crowd, whatever, but oh man, there is no form of resilience quite like a blown audition. Like that requires a skin thickness that like so many stand-up comics will never even feel that level of pain where you walk into the room and there's like the table full of people and you know as the second word is coming out of your mouth i am eating it right now and i have to see this through so at least a bomb or a heckle you can like salvage the room or turn it into a thing and be like no i wanted that to happen and like bullshit your friends afterwards a crappy audition is just that and you will feel that later on all right we'll go around the panel i wish we had like three episodes straight with you guys i really do uh we'll go around the panel i know you all have a lot of stuff going on where people can find you what you have coming up Uh, bobby del rio let's go to you first man i know you're all over the place right now yeah, I mean, I'm doing a, a ton of projects around the world right now, but you can go to Clubhouse, 
just look me up bobby del rio i'm at 12,200 followers is the latest and go to instagram at bobby del rio uh, i'm posting on my on my promo there excellent all right we'll go to tanisha where can people find you i know you you're plugging a film right now Yes. So people can find me on Instagram at Tanisha C. They can find me on Twitter, same handle. Um, you can find me on Netflix June 18th um, in a role opposite Kevin Hart in Fatherhood. Um, Woo! Yeah. Huh? You can find me on YouTube. I have a series called Dungeons and Distancing. It's a Dungeons Dragons themed pandemic show. Um, <laughs> so I'm, yeah, you can find me. Just turn on your TV. I'm sure you'll see me somewhere. Kevin Hart, who, by the way, Canadian comedy industry single-handedly green lights more projects in one week in Montreal than the entire Canadian business does over like a 10-year span. So shame on you guys. Kevin Hart is really the only one giving Canadian comics work in this country. Paul LaDuca, friend of the show. As always, where can we find you, buddy? I know you're always a busy guy. Paul LaDuca on, on Instagram, TikTok, Paul LaDuca Comedy on YouTube. And, uh, and I'm, I'm helping creators and other actors make their content pop even more social media consulting with what I do all on top of the comedic productions that I, that I pull off for brands and, and any other creator that's looking. Which we love. You have this like infectious, like optimism and diehard work ethic. You're just like, everybody can be famous and everything is great. There's not a, like not an ounce of darkness about you, which is a contrast to a lot of comics on the show. And last, but certainly not least Shane Kippel. Thank you for joining us. And where can we find you, man? Uh, well, Dean, as you so eloquently put it before, I also uh, do that sketch stuff. Um, also, <laughs> um, I've been uh, I've been focused on building uh, an Instagram sketch empire. So you can find me at uh, at shanykips.com. Oh, well, dot com. No, at shanykips. Uh, so that's uh, S-H-A-N-E-Y-K-I-P-P-S. And I have a sketch show that's being released every Wednesday with my good friend, Paul Thompson, who's a, a well-established stand-up comic uh, in Canada. And uh, yeah, find me on Insta. That's uh, where you'll find out the stuff. The stuff. I love it so much, panel. I know you guys are all uh, busy. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Make sure you follow these people online. That is our show. And don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the beginning on Global News Online. We'll be back next week. Bye.